Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, Jesus. To your will and to your way. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
God wants to heal many of us. Heal many of us and really fix some things and set ourselves in a direction for a purpose and assignment moving forward. No longer being stuck with some of the same issues we've been dealing with for a long time. And I believe he wants to do that in, in, in this season that we're in. He's doing that in our midst. So we don't even know it, but, but he's just doing it in the midst because that's his sovereignty in our lives. Last week we talked about when we were reading, God is apart from us. But this week in our reading, we hear that God is with us. And so he's independent all by himself, but yet in his, his desire of his own self, out of his love, he makes himself known and he makes himself present with us. God is with us. That's not a mystery. It's not a lie. It's the truth. God is with us. We don't deserve his presence, but he, out of his love, gives it to us. And so we can receive it today. Amen. Whatever you need is in Jesus. It is in him. Because he is with us. We're just going to share a little of this because it's tying to what God is already doing in the atmosphere. Don't lose this because it makes sense when you hear what God is doing in us. We're walking through the book of Joshua with Joshua chapter 5. I just want to read the beginning of that. Joshua Chapter 5. Thank you, Lord. 
verses 1 through 9. So it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were on the, by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until he had crossed over, their heart melted and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives for yourselves and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. So Joshua made flint knives for himself and circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of foreskins. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all the men of war had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. For all the people who came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord, to whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers that he would give us a land flowing with milk and honey then Joshua circumcised the sons whom he had raised up in their place for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way so it was when they had finished circumcising all the people that they stayed in their places in the camp till they were healed then the Lord said to Joshua this day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore, the name of this place shall be called Gilgal to this day. Amen to the reading of God's word. Just want to talk a little bit from this, the subject, embrace your identity. Embrace your identity. Embrace your identity. As we stay engaged in what God is doing in this moment, you know, I was encouraged. I heard this week, you know, somebody talking about a Bible study on their job. And it was good for them. They were excited, even though there was some opposition, that there were believers on their job who were coming together to do Bible study. And I know that when you work in a, in a, in a secular workplace, which most of us do, Identifying yourself as a believer can be challenging for many of us. Let's be truthful. We love church, but are we willing to ID ourselves when we're in a secular environment? You know, being able to say, I am a believer, I follow Jesus, because we're a little afraid sometimes because of the expectations that it may place upon us. People may look at us differently or see us differently. Uh, but, but our identification as a believer, and so a Bible study on the job is a way to do that, where people who are believers can come together. And sometimes you see people there that you didn't even know were believers or even interested in following God, but until you come into a moment like that. And I even remember being in college and um, I was a part of a fraternity, and we were, you know, the brothers were getting together, and they, you know, like to have parties. Um, some of y'all understand what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> you weren't saved forever. Amen. And I remember this one party. It was going on, and things were happening, but there were some girls who were visiting from another, another university, and they were going through some problems in their life. 
And so the brothers, oh, you got problems in life here, you need to go see Tony. You need to go see Tony. And I remember that day very vividly because stuff was happening. Stuff was going on. People were doing what they were doing. And, and, and we don't need the reason why I was even doing what I was doing, but I was there. And I was running a revival on the side while everybody else was partying. You know, because these girls really needed Jesus. And I had Jesus. And so... <laughs> Everybody else was getting numbers and doing all kind of stuff. I'm pointing people to Jesus. But it was okay because I was at least identified as somebody that could help somebody who needed Jesus. You know, and our identity is, is critical for us. That no matter where we are, we need to be identified as believers in Jesus Christ. And so when we look at our text, we understand that the children of Israel are about to move into the promises of God. That's what we've been talking about, moving and walking with God into his promises. They were about to walk in. But before they did that, they said there's a couple of things that they need. They need a memorial. We talked about this last week. They need to build a memorial to remember God. You never want to move forth in things of the promises of God and you forget the God that brought you through. Okay, so he said you got to build a memorial of stones to remind yourself. And, and you didn't just let yourself know, but it let your enemy know. That every time the enemy sees that memorial, he knows that God's hand's about to knock him clean out. You hear what I'm saying? And you got to build it so the enemy can see that this is God's child. It also, he said there, that you got to let your children know and your children's children know. So when they see it, they'll ask you, what does this mean to you? And then you can tell them the story about how God brought them through. And the second thing he does in chapter 5, he begins to talk about something called circumcision. And he said this generation needed to be circumcised because they needed to reaffirm their identity. Somebody say identity. God saw the needs of the generation. God saw the needs of the generation. We too need to see the needs of a generation. We need to see the needs of the millennials. We need to see the needs of the Generation Z. We need to see their needs. We need to see what's going on with them, what they may need, what they, what they may be lacking. We have to be conscious of it. Now, we're talking about our assignment is to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom to a new generation. A generation needs to hear about Jesus, needs to experience Jesus. We need to be concerned about those in their 20s, in their 30s, even teenagers. I told our leadership at the last leadership meeting, if a teenager cannot connect with this, with this ministry, then we got to fix it. It is what it is. I know we love Jesus, hallelujah, glory. That's great. But if a teenager cannot connect with anything that's going on with this ministry, we need to fix it. Because we need to be concerned about the needs of a generation. And we, I love the song that says, he looked beyond my faults and saw my needs. Right? We got to look beyond faults. Right? Look beyond some of the differences and see the needs of the generation. Because this was a generation that had watched their parents die in the wilderness. Okay, this was a generation of, of people who had watched their parents literally die in the wilderness. Their relationship to God, or lack thereof, impacted their fate. Are you hearing? So, you know, with watching your parents die in the wilderness, God had brought them out, took them into the wilderness, and then because they didn't believe they died, they had questions about their parents. You know, were, were their parents really failures? Come on in here. They had questions about God. Was God too harsh? Anybody ever asked that question? Huh? 
Was God not able to keep up with the times? Anybody ever asked that question? You know, things are different now than they were in 1974, right? Does God know that? <laughs> Is he able to keep up with the times? See, you got to realize, a generation watched their parents die in the wilderness. And so now this God that you're talking about, and even their parents, there's some questions that they had in their mind. And so God understood this. And so more than anything, they needed to know and be introduced to the one true God, and they needed to know the identity of who they were in him. And so I want to say this up front, as, as, we're, as we're learning here, we're not reenacting Joshua, okay? We're learning from it. See, Romans 15, 4 says, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of scriptures may have hope. In other words, the children of Israel, God had called them literally to be a physical nation, to be a country, to be a kingdom, that he was going to move them into a space to be an example of his kingship on earth. They were like a literal country. God's not calling us to be a country, but say we are a people, right? But you understand that Joshua and Jesus are the same name, Yeshua right, which is Jesus, and it is this the interpretation of that in the Greek. So we got to understand that Joshua is simply a picture of what Jesus has done. Are you hearing? Jesus was obedient to God to death, even unto death, the Bible says. Jesus conquered every single enemy that was in the land, right? We talk about conquering our land and giving on what God has promised. Jesus conquered every single enemy. He conquered fear. He conquered greed. He conquered pride. He conquered Satan. He conquered death itself. Then the Bible says that the land was distributed. We look in Joshua, but the inheritance was given. And how many know that we have an inheritance when you're in Jesus Christ? He's given us and distributed us our inheritance. We are forgiven. Hello, somebody. That is an inheritance. We are saved, right? We have holiness. Somebody in here? Anybody? <laughs> Got some holiness? We got the Spirit of God dwelling on what? The inside of us. We have an inheritance because Jesus Christ has won that. He's ushered in the kingdom of God. And Jesus won what the Father had promised. And we must learn to walk in it. And so we have to study how it was done. Okay, are you, are you with me? So he talks about this thing in chapter 5, which is important. It's something about circumcision. But circumcision has to do with identity. Circumcision was the cutting of the flesh of the foreskin of the male. And so Jesus in Genesis and God in Genesis chapter 17 had issued a covenant with Abraham. He said, you'll be my, my people. I will be your God and I have a covenant to be with you and your seed shall be great and you'll be a father of many nations. And he said that the, the example or the sign of this covenant was called circumcision. And so they were to circumcise the male on the eighth day. And it was a national consecration or a sign of that covenant that God had made. And it had to do with the male because it had to do with the male seed. And we know that the seed ultimately is Jesus Christ, which he's talked about. And he is one our our salvation. So it's about identity. And identity simply is this. It's the condition of being oneself or itself and not another. Right? The condition of being oneself or itself and not another. That's what identity is. It, it distinguishes uh, your characteristics or your personality. It's the basic values that dictates your choices that you make. And oftentimes we struggle with identity because identity is really not within us. And we'll talk about that more. But you find that identity on the outside of us. It's true. We have, some of us have multiple identities. I am a husband. I am a father. That's how we identify ourselves, right? I'm a pastor. We identify ourselves. People are doctors. They identify themselves. It's amazing when you say, how are you, uh, Joe Blow? And they say, I, I'm Dr. Joe Blow. <laughs> right? I'm, I'm Dr. Joe Blow. Well, if you look at the birth certificate, doctor's not on there. 
<laughs> you hear what I'm saying? Pastor is not on my birth certificate. Okay? It's a calling that God has given me, and I walk in it, but it, it is not who I am. Right? And oftentimes, our identity is in what we do. Right? I'm a basketball star. That's why a lot of athletes struggle when they stop playing because their identity is now gone. It's, like it's gone in, in what they do or, or, or the amount of money that they have. You something when you got money, but when you broke, you, you, all of a sudden you're nobody. Because that's we, our identity is shaping from the outside. But we've got to understand that you have to have an identity to be successful in life. I like even talking about sports teams. If they have no identity, you're not going to win. The Lakers, you got any Lakers fan? They got LeBrons. Everybody knows what the Lakers are going to do. Get a ball to LeBron. Amen. Amen. Come on, brothers. <laughs> In crunch time, where the ball going? To LeBron. And if you pass it to AD, that's great. If you don't, that's great too. But you know exactly what's going to happen. The ball's going to LeBron. Bad teams don't have that. They don't know what they're going to do. You see what I'm saying? Because they don't know who they're going to give it to. See, good teams have an identity. Bad teams do not. See, good teams, they're going to do what they do. And if you beat them, oh, well. But they're going to do what they do. Come on. You, you know I'm handing the ball off to Joe Blow. You know that's going to happen. If you can stop it, I'll shake your hand. But you ain't going to stop it. I'm going to run right over you. Right? Because this is what we do. <laughs> it's our identity. But when you don't have an identity, you don't know what to do. That's why a lot of people are running around lost because they don't have an identity. And they don't know what to do. Are you hearing so we've got to begin to embrace our identity. And in order to embrace our identity, we must forgive our past. In order to embrace our identity, we must forgive our past. The children of Israel are about to go in and about to go in and take what God had given them. But God says there's two things. Hey, you've got to have this memorial to remember me. And you've got to be circumcised. In other words, you've got to have an identity. But they, these children were born in the wilderness. All right? But God had told them in Genesis chapter 17 that on the eighth day, every male was to be circumcised. But this didn't happen. So the scripture tells us that they were not circumcised in the wilderness. Everybody who was circumcised that came out of Egypt had died. So now you have an uncircumcised generation, the generation without an identity. And why didn't it happen? It didn't happen for many reasons. One, the children of Israel were disobedient. They just didn't do what God had told them to do. Number two, maybe they were indifferent about what God had told them to do. Number three, maybe the wilderness conditions didn't make it uh, uh, convenient for them to be able to do whatever God had told them. I hope we can relate with that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Sometimes we don't do what God wants us to do because it's not convenient for us, right? And so we think we don't do it. And that's okay because the situation says it's not convenient for me. This is what they did. They were distracted by new seasons of life. We understand that it didn't happen because there were different things that were going on. There are a lot of things in our life that should have happened that did not either. Are you with me? We should have prayed as, with you as parents maybe more than we should have. We should have read scripture with you as parents with maybe more than we should have. We should have protected you when you were younger. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We should have been there for you in times when we weren't. We were doing other things. We were distracted with other things in life. We was going to work and doing all of this and trying to build all of this. And we left you places where we shouldn't have left you. We left you with people where we should not have left you with. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Stuff that should have happened didn't happen. A lot of reasons why it didn't happen, but it didn't happen. 
We should, some of us parents should have let you struggle in some things instead of rescuing you out of every situation. We should have let you have to fail and, and fight and, and break through some stuff to build some muscle and some tenacity. But no, we rescued you out of every little thing. We, we babied you. We nurtured you in a way. Now you're weak. Now you struggle because you can't get out of any little situation. And my boss is mad at me. Please don't let And we cry because something's going on. No, no, no. We failed you in a lot of ways. Don't give us the reasons why. The hundred of reasons why we did it. But we just didn't do it. Even in churches, sometimes we left our young people after they turned 18 and got went from high school. There was nothing for you. Come on and hear somebody. There was no on-ramp for you to become more mature in some things in life. It, it happens. I can't give you a reason why. I can't give you a detailed explanation, but it happened. There's some things in our life that have happened to us Oh, come on and hear somebody that happened to us that we can't explain why it happened, but it happened. It is what it is. Some of us were too religious. We were just way too religious, like the, like the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23, where they tell Jesus, Jesus, we tithe of popcorn. Jesus, we tithe of potato chips. Look at us. We're tithers. We do that. And Jesus said, you should have done that, but you left the, the, the more weightier things undone, like justice. Come on here, somebody. Some of us, we were so religious, right? We were at church every day. Every day the door was open, we were there. We were there on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We was always there. We were faithful in all kinds the things, but was there any justice even in our homes? Was, was there any mercy even in our homes? Was there any grace even in our homes? But if we're going to embrace our identity, we, we've got to forgive our past. See, God knew what was going on, knew things didn't happen, but he didn't stay stuck there. God was moving them forward, and God wants to move many of us forward. We've got to let go of our past. God... God circumcised them to let they know, them know that they were his. See, this was like, he, he was, God was saying, listen, you're mine. You are not your past. You are not the failures of your parents. Come on here, somebody. You're, you're not the, the brokenness of even the environment around you. Some of us are letting people around us that are already broken define who you are. How can a broken man who's broke themselves, right, who's in desperate need of the grace of God themselves, don't even know who they are, define who you are? Come on in here, somebody. We let broken situations, broken systems, broken people define who we are. We let past mistakes. Come on. We let where we were born, what our zip code was. Come on in here. Just because you were born broke doesn't mean you're a broke down person. Come on in here. Just because you were always dependent on welfare growing up means you got to be dependent on welfare right now for the rest of your life because that's who you are. Just because you were molested by somebody at a time in your life doesn't mean that you're worthless and you have no value and that you can't walk in the identity in which you were born. Yes, come on and hear somebody. You were created for much more than that. People do not define you. God defines you. But if you're going to embrace your identity, you've got to let go of your past. Your past is what happened. People did what they did. Right, wrong, and different. God is defining you now. He's saying that you are mine. Somebody needs to hear that in here. It's not what your ex-husband said about you. Come on here. It's not what the parents said about you in their, in their wrongness of life. God bless them. They raise you as best they can. But what God says about you, how God defines you, how God identifies you is who you are. 
He said, I want you to know right now, before you even get into taking anything, I want you to know that you belong to me. I am your God. You are my people. You wear my sign. You wear my symbol. You carry my name. You wear my identity. Somebody's got to let go of their past. We're not the failures of our parents. As though our destiny is failure just like them. We have to embrace our identity of being who God has created us to be. Today, circumcision is just done in the hospital naturally by most people. And circumcision is not a sign because we're not a nation anymore. Like uh, the believer of Christ, true Israel is not like a physical nation. But we're all around the world, different cultures, people who believe in Jesus. And so circumcision is not our sign, but we have baptism as a sign. See, that's what baptism is for us. Colossians 2, 11 and 12 says, In him you are also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of sin of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. In other words, we don't have uh, circumcision, but baptism is, is our, our sign. That's why we go down into the waters and we come up in baptism. Second major point I want to make here is in order to embrace our identity, we must cut off our flesh. <laughs> here it is. We, we got to cut off our flesh. See, God told Joshua, said, Joshua, make knives, flint knives for yourself to, to, in order to do this. And the knife is a sharp object. We know that there's no sharper object than the Word of God. How many know what I'm talking about? Hebrews 4 and 12 said that the Word of God is quick and powerful and is sharper than two, any two-edged sword. So the knife is what we use. The Word of God is what we need use in order to cut our flesh. You know that when you cut flesh, how many know that blood is going to be shed? And that bl shedding of blood means the dying of something. That means our self has to die. Our, our flesh has to die. And, and, and the one thing we got to notice is that the children that were being circumcised, that new generation, they didn't circumcise themselves. Are you hearing? It's not self-circumcision, <laughs> but somebody had to do it for you. In other words, God is the one who ultimately circumcises us. Are you hearing what I say? And, and the leaders of the fathers are the ones who executed it here in the earth, but it's God who does it. The circumcising. Then he said they did it on the eighth day. And the eighth day stands for new beginnings. And so what God was telling his people here is that this is a new beginning for you. This is a new opportunity for you. It's a new day. It's a new season. It's a new chance to go forth and the things of God. Why is this important? Because kingdom living is accomplished in the spirit and manifested in the natural. Okay, kingdom living is accomplished in the spirit and manifested in the natural. See, our hearts must be circumcised because out of our hearts flow the issues of life. 
That's why Jeremiah 4 and 4 says, circumcise yourself to the Lord and take away the foreskins of your heart. So in the natural, it's not necessarily in the natural in a male organ, but our hearts got to be circumcised. How many realize that? Our hearts have got to be cut and circumcised and our hearts can't be fleshly. Our hearts have got to be uh, tender and, and open to what God is calling for us to do. Our hearts have to be circumcised. Secondly, our mind has to be circumcised. Romans 8 and 7 says this, because the carnal mind or the fleshly mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. In other words, our mind is our control tower. How many realize that? Whatever you do, your mind tells you to do it. Your heartbeat and your breathing are only two things that don't happen because your mind tells it to do. Everything else your mind tells it to do, right? And so our mind cannot be fleshly. Our minds have got to be circumcised. Because scripture teaches us that our mind, our flesh, cannot cooperate with God. Right? It doesn't say will not. It says what? Cannot. It means it's not possible. Flesh will never agree with God. You hear me say this all the time. Your, your flesh will never agree with God. It, it never will. It cannot. God says go left. Your flesh is going to say go right. God says give. Your flesh is going to say no. <laughs> God said go home. Your flesh no. I'll go there and see what happened anyway. Come on in here, somebody. <laughs> Your flesh, you know what flesh is. It's not necessarily talking about your literal body. It's your fleshly spirit. We got to understand that when you become a believer in Christ, you have two natures. Okay? You have your old nature, which is your flesh, and then you have your new nature, which is in God. See, the non-believer only has one nature. <laughs> they don't gotta, that's why they ain't worried about it. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? But for us, when you got two natures, you got two natures. You got to worry about some things in your flesh. Paul says, and in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, he says, how do you deal with your flesh? He says, I beat my body into, into submission. No, no, I discipline my body. I take the word of God and I discipline myself to understand that my flesh cannot have its way. Come on here, somebody. We got to be able to tell our flesh no. How many realize that? See, because you're getting ready to go in to take some things, and there's going to be some demons, and there's going to be some, some demonic forces. The children of Israel were getting ready to go in, and, and the Jebusites, and, and the Canaanites, and the Heronites, and all those ites which represent something, they were there. They were strong people, and they were getting ready to have to go through many battles. There were over 30-some battles that the children of Israel had to take on in order to get what was theirs. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I told you this before. You're not going to get what God has for you without a fight. Don't, don't think you're just going to go in and just walk in and whatever God has for you, he's going to give to you and there's not going to be any fight. You're going to have to battle. You're going to have to war. You're going to have to fight. You're going to have to trust God through some things. You're going to have to kick some stuff out your house. You're going to have to put some issues in place. You're going to have to fight. You're going to have to read scripture over and over again. You're going to have to get that sword and start cutting over and over again. You're going to have to tell fear and, de and depression to get about your face. You're going to have to read your Bible. I am who God says I am. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You're going to have to know weapon formed against me, so you're going to have to fight. You're going to have to get on your ground and lay prostrate before the Lord. Say, Lord, if you don't deliver me out of my flesh, God, my flesh is taking me over right now. God, I need you to do something. I need you to come on in here, somebody. You're going to have to fight to be who God has called for you to be. But 
it's imperative that we understand this principle. Your biggest enemy is none of those things. Your biggest enemy is yourself. It is your flesh. <laughs> That's the biggest demon you ever going to have to fight is your own flesh. It's not fear. It's not depression. It's none of those things. It's your flesh. I'm running out of time to teach, but listen, when you understand temptation, how it works, only thing the devil can do is tempt you. That's it. The devil needs your cooperation in order to sin. Come on. All he can do is tempt you. He, can't, he cannot make you do anything. But we sin, the Bible says, out of our own lust. <laughs> it was me who wanted to hit that page on the internet. Come on here, somebody. It was me who... <laughs> That shirt I couldn't afford, it was me. That car I could never afford, it was me. That trip I ain't had the money to pay for, it was me. That woman that wasn't my woman, it, oh, it was me. It, it, it was me. The one her, it was me. She was just doing what she was doing, it was me. The biggest battle we have is our own flesh. It's us. If I can deal with my flesh, I can conquer anything. <laughs> he says, you got to cut it. He says, you got to circumcise this generation. They can't move forward without knowing their identity. And we can't know our identity in fullness without circumcising our flesh because our flesh is not our identity. It's like we're not our mistakes. We're not our identity. That's not our identity. Here it is. And I'm wrapping this thing up. The Bible says that they circumcised the generation. And the generation, the Bible says that they stayed still and didn't move until they were healed. I told you God was doing some healing in this atmosphere. They stayed still until they were healed. And I hear God really saying very strongly, I'm healing some people today. Because now you, you, you have your identity. See, see, when you start cutting your flesh, right? That's painful. And yet we're not cutting our physical flesh. Cutting that spiritual flesh is painful. It hurts to cut your flesh. <laughs> I wish I had a real church. It hurts. Conrad, to cut your flesh. It hurts. It hurts to tell myself no when I want to. It hurts. It hurts not to do what I want to do. It hurts. Tired of this fake church that don't act like nothing hurt. No, this thing hurts. It hurts. Woo! When I just want to tell you and send you to straight to hell, it hurts. Not to do it. I'm telling you, it hurts. I just want to pour hot water all over you, getting on my last. I'm telling you, it hurts. It hurts. 
smoke this joint, God is hurt. God, it hurts. It hurts. It's two in the morning. I want to pick up the phone. I know what he wants. It hurts. It hurts. It, 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 it. Ah, my God, inside it hurts. In other words, that disappointment, in other words, that disillusionment, in other words, that disapproval that I was wearing all of this time, God is cutting that away. He's removing all of that doubt that I'm not going to be and, and I'll never become and, and they said I wouldn't be. All of that disappointment and upsetness and all the hurt, the church hurt, the home hurt, all of the hurt, he, he's just cutting it away. So now we wear him. We wear Jesus. He is our identity. He is who we are. We don't make ourselves, but he identifies us. We are that. And we can embrace who we are. When God cuts away some things, now we can embrace who I really am, who I've been made to be. I am a child of the Most High God. I am a believer. I am walking with the Lord. I am a son of God. I am a daughter of God. I am anointed. I carry the Lord's anointing on my life. I am a husband. I'm able to do this. I'm able to love my wife. I am a mother. I'm able to do this. I'm able to love my children. I'm able to be there for them. I am a business owner. I'm able to do what God has called me to do. And I can do it above the table, above ground. Be honest. Have it. Come on here. I can because that's who I am. I wear my identity. I don't run from it anymore. I don't run from it anymore. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to them that believe. A generation needs to know who you are in Jesus. Embrace your identity. Embrace being who God has called you to be. Embrace it. I worship God. I embrace it. I read my Bible. I embrace it. I say yes to his will. I embrace it. He says go, I go. I embrace it. He says no, I say no. I em we embrace our identity. This is who we are. 
cannot fully experience something that you do not embrace. Embrace being a believer. Pull out your Bible. And if somebody has a problem, let them have a problem. You don't got to fight them, but you are who you are. We don't have to be embarrassed because we follow Jesus. The world is desperate for what we have. The world is desperate to know the God we know. The world is desperate to walk in the power we can walk in. Embrace it. You're dangerous because of who God has created you to be. Your identity takes you places that other people can't get. You got to have a badge to get certain places. You got to have an identity. Your identity takes you places to be able to do things, to touch stuff that other people can't touch. They don't have that identity. They haven't been through what you've been through. They haven't been on the ground at 2 a.m. in the morning saying, God, it's killing me. They haven't been through that yet. But you have. <laughs> this, is, this means soul saved, see? This, this means deliverance happening for people. This means transformation happening in people's lives because I, I know who I am. I know who I am now. I'm not confused. I know how to make decisions now because I stick with my identity. I embrace it. It's who I am. Oh, you grab this, you'll never be the same. You grab this, you'll never be the same. I just want to pray very briefly for us. But there's some of us that need to just be healed in this moment. As God had already started healing bodies before the message came, but the word would just confirm what he's already speaking and doing. This is your time of healing. As God cuts, he heals you. We're moving forward, but you got to be healed before you can take hold of what God has called you to take hold of. But go through the process. Let him cut what he needs to cut off of you. That flesh that's been keeping you back. It's been 10 years. It's been 15 years. That flesh has been keeping you back. It's not the devil. Stop blaming the devil. It's your flesh. And he's circumcising you to wear your true identity in him. Father, I bless you right now in the name of Jesus. For every one of my brothers and sisters and myself who stands in a place, oh God, cut us where we need to be cut, God, in the name of Jesus. So we can wear your identity, wear who you've created us to be. And I thank you, God, that you're bringing healing right now in the name of Jesus. That the gifts of healing are beginning to flow right now in the name of Jesus. God, low self-esteem is being healed in Jesus' name. Confusion is being healed right now in the name of Jesus. Depression is being healed right now in the name of Jesus. The spirit of suicide is being rebuked off of people right now in the name of Jesus. God, cut off that death spirit. God, in the name of Jesus, 
push it back. God, I thank you for life, and I speak life right now in the name of Jesus. Life is coming on your people, God. We wear life because it's our identity in the name of Jesus. God, we wear vigor, God. We wear life, God. We wear it now in the name of Jesus. God, we put on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness even now. God, your people are being healed right now in the name of Jesus. As we submit to your will and to your way, oh God, in Jesus' name. Satan, I rebuke you. I bind you right now in the name of Jesus. Every lie you're trying to speak into the people's lives, I rebuke it now in Jesus' name. God, you be glorified. Let your word come forth out of your people. Holy Spirit, have your way in the lives of the people. Even now in the name of Jesus. God, overtake them, oh God. Overtake us in this moment in the name of Jesus to receive our healing, oh God. To walk in our identity, oh God, in Jesus' name. We are who you say we are, oh God. We can do what you say that we can do, oh God. And we receive it now in Jesus' name. God, we're breaking free of lust, oh God. We're breaking free of pornography, oh God. God, we're breaking free of all the issues that try to hold us bound in our flesh, oh God. We break free today in Jesus' name. We are a child of the Most High God. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We push condemnation back. We push judgment back in the name of Jesus, oh God. And we receive who you call for us to be. And we thank you, God, and we bless you. And it's in Jesus' name that we do pray. Amen and amen. Amen and amen. Amen. You can be seated if you like in these brief moments. This is the most important part of our worship service. If there's somebody here that does not know the Lord Jesus, somebody here under the sound of my voice, you do not know Jesus, you've heard about Jesus, how he's won your victory, that it should have been you on the cross because we know we've messed up, but he took our place and he became sin for us that we can be the righteousness of God. Is there one who wants to give their life to Jesus? Say, yes, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to walk with Jesus. I want to start a relationship with Jesus. I want him to be Lord of my life. If there's somebody here that does not know Jesus that wants to give their life at this time, we just ask that you would come forward. We're not going to embarrass you. No embarrassing question. We just want to love you, hug up on you, and get you.